And this is kind of the question that we have after Thanksgiving every year. Is what are you doing with your leftovers? Are they going bad? Are you eating them? Here's an even better question. Are you getting creative with the way you're using your leftovers? For those of you in the room who are, I just I thought I would bring a couple of ideas that you need to stay away from when it comes to getting creative with your Thanksgiving leftovers. Here's the first one. It's called Thanksgiving Sushi. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried this. It might look good on paper. Stay away from it. It's, it's trickery. It's, it's stuffing, turkey, cranberry sauce wrapped up in turkey skin. And the green stuff in there is mashed potato that's mixed with some wasabi. <laughs> Stay away from that. The next one is this. This is probably my least favorite out of the group. Thanksgiving ramen. This is slices of roasted turkey in the place of pork. Oh, this is very fancy. A roulade made with seasoned stuffing, dumplings filled with cream, spinach, tart pickles, cranberries, and mushroom soy gravy pour, and a mound of traditional ramen noodles in the place of mashed potatoes. Now, does that just make your stomach turn or what? Stay away from that. Uh, this next one is probably my favorite out of the bunch. <laughs> Thanksgiving cake. Not the cake you were thinking of. This is ground turkey filling with mashed potato icing with stuffing, sweet potatoes, and cranberry sauce. So basically the directions are rewarm everything you have except for the cranberry sauce uh, so the cake is easy to spread. Now, here's the sad reality. Some of you are considering one of those three on there if not more, and I, I can't tell you what will happen if you actually do that, but I can say don't do it. There's your warning. You, thank you, Pastor Ryan. You're welcome, okay? So we are in this series called <laughs> Niche. Somebody said Nietzsche. I don't know why, but the, I thought that the only two options were niche and niche. But evidently, there's another one out there. Uh, of course, we're, we're tagging this. You know, we want you to, to, uh, to find your niche. So, Nietzsche is just find it. And, um, but the fact of the matter is this. God has never made a copy of anything. You are unique. The scriptures say that you are God's masterpiece, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hopefully, you've, you've gotten that throughout the series uh, everything that God has made, including you, is an original. It's, it's a masterpiece. It's, there is no one like you. If, if you took out your physical DNA inside of your cells and you stretched it out, it would span the solar system twice. Now, that is hard to grasp. It's coiled and coiled and coiled so tight in your cells that it's impossible to even imagine. But, but all of that packed in there are trillions and trillions and trillions of bits of information that makes you you. You are unique. There is no one like you, and God has a purpose for your life. And what we've been talking about during this series is that you have a niche profile, and that's the way we're kind of describing it, to talk about how do I find my purpose, uh, my God-given purpose in this life. And so the end, we started out talking about natural abilities. Um, and then the week after, we talked about your individual personality. And then charisma gifts. Pastor Jim talked about that last week. Today, we're going to talk about our heart, our passions. Next week, we're going to talk about our experiences. Those are all the experiences that have led us to be what we are right now. And the fact that good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. God takes all things and works them together for good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So he takes those experiences and uses them in your life in only a way 
that he can. And when you take all those things together and you pray them up and you follow God, you're going to find your purpose in life. And that's, that's the whole point of this series. And today we're talking about the heart. We're talking about the passion inside of you. Passion. Let's, let's look at Proverbs 27, 19 to kind of set this up. And this is what it says. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects a person. Where your heart is shows in life, and it ultimately reflects who you are to everybody around you. What's in your heart shows to everyone else around you, and, and that's different for all of us. Would you agree that we don't all have the same passions? How many of you are, like, thrilled to death right now that it is cold outside? Yeah. Now, how many of you just can't wait for summer to get back? Like, you're waiting, and what, this is just something to get through to get to the good stuff. Let me, let me ask you this. How many of you are passionate about football? How many of you didn't even know football season was going on right now? Just, yeah. I mean, the fact is, is that we're passionate about different things. Uh, but God put passions on the inside of you. And thank God he didn't give us all the same passion or we wouldn't get what we need to get done, done. But God is a God of variety and creativity. And we're together, we're a body. And when we use the individual passions that God gives us, we actually end up serving each other and serving God for a great purpose. Uh, but obviously, we're not talking about just uh, natural um, kind of uh, passions for things in our natural realm, but we're talking about the God-given passions for things that have an impact in eternity. Um, and so for the purpose of this message, when we talk about the heart and your passion, th this is kind of how we're going to define it. Your heart is the passion that is created when your God-given interests align with your God-designed purpose for living. Just as God has given you a unique uh, niche to fulfill your purpose, He's given you a passion to energize that. Let me say that again. Just as God has given you a unique niche to be able to serve his purposes for your life, he has given you a passion to energize it. How many of you know that without passion, you don't get done what needs to get done? When, when you think about uh, Philippians 2.13, this is Paul writing to the church, and this is what he says, God is working in you to help you want to do and be able to do. Say want to do. That's the passion to be able to do. Say able to do. That's the ability. So you have the ability that God is giving you, but he's also giving you a passion to be able to want to do. Isn't that good? Because sometimes we don't necessarily want to do things, but when we rely on God, that passion flares back up. When you think about Moses, he had the ability to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But it was the passion that kept him there to stand up against a Pharaoh and to stand up against being told no time and time again, facing possible death. When you think about the Apostle Paul, he had the ability to reach the Gentiles with the gospel message. But it was passion that kept him in the game long after persecution and long after beatings and being shipwrecked and, and going to jail uh, wrongfully accused. It was passion that kept him there. Uh, think about Martin Luther back when the Reformation. He had the ability to understand that it was salvation by faith and not by works, but it was passion that led him to nail the, the thesis to the door of the Catholic Church that could have got him killed. He had to run for his life. It was passion that kept him doing that. You think about Martin Luther King. I mean, he, he had this amazing ability to speak and to move crowds, but it was passion that enabled him to stand up to institutionalized racism. That nothing else can do it. It was the passion and, the, and the, 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 the thing in his heart that just kept going no matter what happened. All these people were ordinary people, but they had one thing in common. They discovered the God-given passion for their lives. 
And God has passions that he's put inside of you that he wants you to discover what they are and to energize you to fulfill God's purposes for your life. All these, these people that we talked about, the result was just as water reflects the face, as the proverb says, their hearts reflected who they were. And when we think about these people and who they were, their, their passion is what gave us that picture of them. And God wants to do the same for you. Your ability will get you in a place. But it's the passion in your heart that will keep you in that place long after it gets hard. Let me say that again. Your ability, your natural ability will get you in a door, will get you into a place. But it's your passion that will keep you there when things don't go right, when things get difficult, when, when things don't go as, uh, as planned as what, the, what you thought was good. When you see the hard stuff, it's your passion that will keep you from walking out. Passion. So in the time we have today, I, I want to talk to you about your heart and the passion that God created in you uh, and, and how you can align that with your God-given purpose for living. But I, before we do that, I want to talk about a few heart stoppers. I want to talk about some things that kind of suck the passion out of you. And the first one is this. It's fear. Fear. Proverbs twelve twenty five says that an anxious heart weighs a man down. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Have you ever been paralyzed with fear? Fear of the unknown? Uh, fear of judgment from somebody else? Fear of what somebody else thinks of you? You ever been scared of scared? <laughs> You're just fearful of fear? You're like, you don't want it to overtake your life anymore? Uh, fear, if you let it, will determine what you do and where you go instead of passion. Fear will take over and begin to make decisions for you. Um, I knew somebody once who had a, a very strong natural ability and a passion to help children. Great personality, great teacher, but they had this fear of people and fear, this anxiety of social situations. Do you know what it's like to desperately want to realize your passion to help kids but settle for something far less because you're scared to death to go through an interview process? Fear will keep you from following your heart. Uh, another heart stopper is guilt. Guilt. In Psalm 40, verse 12, David was full of sin. Or excuse me, he, well, he was, but he was full of guilt over his sin. And this is what he says. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. And my heart, here's the line, my heart fails within me. He's saying, and, and maybe you've been there, guilt is more than just a feeling. It literally is taking over my insides. Follow my passions? Man, I'm not even worthy enough to eat the dirt off the ground. This is what guilt will do to you. So there's no, I mean, I'm, I'm not worthy to be anything to anybody. Why should I be worthy to follow my passions? You need to know that guilt is a real feeling, but God does not want you to stay there. When guilt remains, you don't follow your passions. As David said, because of the guilt, my heart fails. So my passions go with it. Guilt is a passion killer. The whole reason that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you and to die for me was to take the guilt away. Somebody say amen to that. But sometimes we settle into the guilt, and sometimes the guilt is, is conviction. It's God saying, I want you to turn. But sometimes we take that guilt, and we let it sit on us and sit on us, and we never really say, you know what? Jesus Christ did come to die for me, and I'm free. And yes, there's some things I have to do sometimes in life with the people that were hurt because of what I did, but my soul can be set free. 
the, the Bible describes a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow, the Bible says, leads to repentance. It's this sorrow inside of us that says, you know what, there's something wrong in here, and I need to fall down before God and accept his, his forgiveness for my sin and walk a new man, a new woman. But there's a difference in that and worldly sorrow. The Bible says worldly sorrow leads to death. And it's this sorrow that sits inside of us, and it goes unrepented, and we just let guilt pile on and pile on. And David said, my heart fails within me. The rest of that scripture, David said, I'm going to fall on my face before God. He's the one that's actually going to save me. So whenever we're feeling feelings of guilt, and I'm spending some time on this because before we can even talk about our passions in Christ Jesus and, and using them to serve each other and to serve God's kingdom, we got to try to figure out the things that are keeping us from it. And guilt is one of those things. It is a, it's a passion killer. Don't be a slave to guilt. It will keep you feeling unworthy of following your heart. Another passion killer is pride. Pride. Proverbs 16.5 says that the Lord detests all the proud. I want you to hear that in some, and in, 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 in let me read it again. I want you to hear that in the, in the strong language that it was designed to, to say. The Lord detests, the Lord, God Almighty, he looks down and he detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Now, why do you think God uses such strong language to talk about pride? Because at the center of pride is selfishness, and it's the opposite of God. That, that's why he goes into such strong language to talk about it. It's impossible to realize your God-given passions in your heart when you're operating in selfishness, the exact opposite of who God is. The passions that, by the way, God put them there, and he put them there to be a reflection of who he is. So your passion can fuel you to serve in the kingdom of God, being a direct reflection of who God is. Well, when we have something on the inside of us that we're operating in that's the exact opposite of who God is, then it makes those passions moot and null. It's, it's not even worth it. And God says, that's not who I am. I'm certainly not going to bless it. I'm certainly not going to anoint it. I'm certainly not going to empower it. And so pride at the center of it is selfishness. And God said, I detest that. Because it keeps you looking like you and not like me. And my goal for your life is to, is to reshape you and make you the best version of you possible. And that happens when you're looking the most like my son, Jesus Christ. So pride, it's, it, it's a passion killer. It'll keep you from following your heart and realizing your God-given passions. Uh, the, the fourth thing, quickly, a passion killer, a heart stopper, is apathy. It's this lack of interest. It's this, you know, lack of enthusiasm. It's this, uh, I'm just kind of aloof to the whole thing. It's whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. But you know what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23? It says, whatever you do, work at it with what? With all your heart, everything you have in you as working for the Lord, not for men. It's almost as if at the end of our shift or at the end of what we're doing for our spouse or at the end of what we're doing, whatever that happens to look like for you in life, we're supposed to imagine that we're going to have a conversation with God Almighty afterwards. And say, you know, I'm not looking to a person to, to, to give me a, a grade. I'm not looking for my boss. I'm not looking for my wife to give me a grade. I'm looking ultimately at God. I'm actually going to stand before God. That's We're supposed to work as if we're working for the Lord. By the way, we are. And we're supposed to have that in our hearts and mind. Have you ever seen someone living out their God-given passion successfully that doesn't care? That just have a whatever attitude? 
No, because when they are successful in what they're doing, man, they do it with everything they've got. It gets hard, they push through it. it get, they get knocked down, it doesn't matter, they're going to stand back up. It might hurt a minute, but ultimately their passions keep them alive. They do it with everything in them, and that passion stays alive because they fuel it. They don't just let the fire go out, they do it with all their heart. And so as we think about these heart stoppers today, and as you think about right there, I could probably stop, but I'm going to keep going. And, and let's just think about, you know, what is it that God wants to do in me? How do I realize my God-given passion? How do I follow my God-given heart? Because the fact is, even if you don't know what it is, there is passion in there that God has put in you to accomplish the purposes for your life. You, you've, we talked about your natural abilities. We've talked about your, your spiritual gifts. We've talked about your personality. You know, by the way, God loves it. He's not trying to revamp the whole thing. He loves your personality. But let's talk about what's actually going to fuel those things as we talk about your, your niche profile. So how, how do I follow my God-given heart? How do I realize my, my God-given passions? Now, we think about our heart, and, and we think about, how, well, Pastor Ryan, how is God going to use it when my heart is this beat up? How is God going to use my heart when it's this bruised? God can still use your heart and wants to use your passion inside of it. So I want to talk about uh, some biblical dynamics of how we can get to to a starting place for God to use us and for us to realize uh, what's inside of that heart. And the first one is this. It's simple, but it's, it's profound. Open your heart. We don't realize it sometimes, but there are so many areas of our heart that we've closed off because we're protecting it. And we as human beings will even close parts off of us to God of the universe. You want to realize what your God-given passions are? Then open your heart to God. And this is really the beginning of the journey. We, we, we can believe that we have a purpose. We can believe, you know, that we, God gives us the ability and the desire. But you actually have to open up your heart to him before the purposes, uh, before you can be passionate about those purposes. You actually have to open up your heart. It's impossible to follow your God-given passions without opening your heart to God. Your, your passion will never do it by itself, and it's never going to make total sense until you open your heart to give it to the one who gave you those passions. Your passion by itself isn't going to amount to much. It, matter of fact, you won't even recognize the full potential of your passion until you connect it with the one who gave them to you. It is a funny story. Back in high school, my sister, she was about four years younger than me, uh, she was riding to school with some friends, and she had this necklace on that she borrowed from my mother. And this necklace had this really funky-looking pendant on it. And when the pendant wasn't on the necklace, you really didn't know what it was. It was that kind of weird pendant. And it had fallen off in the car. And the driver of the car, uh, this guy, he picks up the, what, he didn't know what it was, and said, what is this? Well, nobody knew in the car what it was, including my sister, who was wearing the necklace. And so he throws it out the window. Well, later on in the day, my sister realizes that it's not there, and her first reaction is to go to him and say, hey, what did you do with that thing you threw out the window? Just give that a minute. And he looks at her and goes, like, I threw it out the window. That's what I did with it. Some things don't look the same until you connect it with the source it was designed to be connected with. And your passions are just like that. You may not even realize the extent of what they can do in your life until you open up your heart and let God empower them and let, and let God do what only he can do with them. And here's why. Because as, as long as your heart is closed to God, your passions, you'll, it'll fuel you to do nothing that makes an eternal difference. 
But when you open up your heart to God and you let God empower your passions, your focus will change not just to things that make a difference on this earth, but it'll, it'll focus on changing to make a difference in eternity. And, and that's why Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if you'll open up your heart to me, if you'll open up the door, if you hear my voice and open up, I will come in with you and I will dine with you. And you'll dine with me. There'll, there'll be this intimate relationship that happens. And you know what's interesting? That verse was written to the church. <laughs> it wasn't written to people that weren't Christians, weren't followers. That verse was written to you and to me. That was written to the church. Saying that, it's possible for you and I to walk around this planet and call ourselves Christians and keep our hearts closed to Jesus. That's tough. And I'm, I'm not sure how far that goes before it gets to a place where, you know, you need to do some serious repenting. But I'll say this, God desires for you to open up your heart to him and fuel the passions that he put there. And when you do, man, you will see yourself making a difference and serving God with a purpose that you never even knew you could. Number two, say number two. You got to let God heal your heart. Open up your heart to him. And then let God heal your heart. Can we be honest with ourselves? All of us have had a broken heart. All of us have gone through things that have completely wrecked us. Disappointments, failures, rejections in some way. And, and if that's who you are, if that's what you're going through right now, I just want you to know that God cares about you. He, like, he loves you so much. He's not wanting to gloss over your hurt with Christianese or, or some cliche or some jargon. He loves you, and he wants to walk beside you. And that's why David wrote in Psalm 34, 18, he said that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Did you know that when we're brokenhearted, it's really easy for our God-given passions to take a back seat? It is. We don't feel like doing anything. It's like this race of life we're supposed to be in, serving God. Like David said, I'm pushing forward like a, like a runner, running, pressing, trying to get to the finish line, and I'm, I've got all this passion inside of me. And when we're brokenhearted, it's, we're not just not running and sitting down. Sometimes we're lying face down on the floor. When we're brokenhearted, it's very difficult to let our passion that God put in us lead the way. But I want you to know that God sees you where you are. If you're on the floor today in life, kind of so to speak, and, and that's what's defining you because of a broken heart, then God's on the floor with you. And he sees where you are and he loves you and he wants to save you and he wants to give you a new heart. And sometimes that's a process that we have to go through, but, but he wants to give you a new heart. He wants to exchange a guilty one for one that's for, uh, forgiven and set free. He wants to exchange an anxious heart for one that's at peace. He wants to take your lonely heart, and he wants to give you one that's full of love. And what God is saying to you today, if, if this is you, God is saying, let me give you a new heart. Let me do it. Let me come in where you are when you open up your heart to me. Let me into that place that hurts. You, you know what we typically do when there's a wound on us and someone tries to touch it? We smack their hand away. Or if you're hurt in any place on your body, you immediately get hurt. Where does your hand go? Right to the place. <laughs> right? I mean, it just wherever you're hurting, your hand goes there because we try to protect it. It's just a natural instinct. And in the place of, of your heart where it's hurt and it's broken, we will keep everybody out, even God sometimes. 
because we're trying to protect ourselves. It's this human instinct we have to protect. And what God is saying is that I want to give you a new heart, but I don't want to do it from afar. I want to do it close. Let me into that place. Maybe you're saying today, well, you don't know how broken my heart is. You don't know what I've been through. Well, you're right, I don't. But I can tell you this, God never fails. And he's the one that's promised to renew your heart, not me. And God can do it. There's a a story about a girl named Christy. She actually goes to one of our locations here at the bridge. She was sexually abused for most of her childhood. In fact, I think it was all of it went through a very difficult time, just, not just with the abuse part, but afterwards, the mental part that weighed on her and the feelings of unworthiness. But she walked a path with God where she opened up her heart to him and she let God heal it. And it was a journey. And you know what she's doing now today? She's speaking all over the place at conferences for battered women and has this great message of a healed heart that's actually helping people get through some of the same things that she went through. She has a new heart. Was it easy? No way. But she has a new heart. God walked that thing out with her, and the new heart she has is full of passion. It's full of love. It's full of of all kinds of things to be used for a purpose that only God could enable her to be used like. That's the picture of what God can do in your life. And I, I can promise you, whenever she was going through the heartache of the actual abuse, it never would have occurred to her back then that her story would be told to large groups of people to help people get through it in healing. And if that's where you are today, I just want you to know God can use this. He can use where you are. If I told her back then that, you know what, you're going to be healed one day and so many people are going to be able to get through what they're going through because of your story, she likely would have not believed me. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, you're, you're probably thinking the same thing humanly, but hear me in faith today that God, your story is not over. And God is going to use you in a powerful way if you'll open up your heart to him and, and listen to him. And, and he's going to hear your cry and let him heal you. God can do the same exact thing for you that he did for her. So open up your heart. Let God heal your heart. And we're on our way to finding the passions and living in them that God has for you and for me. Number three, say number three. Weigh your options. This is more of a practical one. They're all really practical, but this is kind of boots on the ground practical. Do your research. Figure out where your interests are. Figure out ways that you can be used in the community, in our church. Think about how you can apply them. Do you know what happens when you do your research and you weigh options? You learn. You figure some things out. Uh, Don't miss this important step because being excited about one thing is is good, but it's going to take more than excitement in the long run. Find out all you can about what might interest you. Study it. Do your due diligence. Think. Pray about it. But remember, the goal is to learn about it. Weigh your options. This is important. We're we're not talking about something you can do just for a little bit of time just to feel good about yourself. We're talking about the God-given passion in your life, your purpose, your your trajectory, the aim that God wants to put in you. 
And sometimes that takes actually putting your feet to the ground and putting your head in the game and actually putting your head and your heart together and figuring this thing out. Now, I've lost about half of you right there because uh, remember a few weeks ago we talked about um, there, there's mind people and then there's the strength people and the mind people want to figure it out and do it right. And the strength people are like, forget that. We don't need a plan. Let's just do it now, right? And some of you may just, you just want to get, you see something, you get excited and you just want to go. And, and that's good short term. But if we're talking about the God-given passion inside of me that's going to, that God is going to use to push me forward, then you know what? We, we have to put a little more into it than that. Proverbs chapter 19, 2, Solomon, smartest man who ever lived, we should probably listen, said that enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. If you act too quickly, you might make a mistake. This is Solomon that said this. According to the national labor statistics, 80% of people who start small businesses fail within five years. That's statistics. Now, the problem is not work ethic. The problem is not a passion or an excitement about it or sincerity. The problem is a lack of knowledge. They didn't know enough about what they were getting into before they started. Uh, in fact, Jesus even said, don't start a relationship with me until you've counted the cost because I don't want you to get into it and then figure out you don't have what it takes to stick it out. So think about it. Do your research. Weigh your options. Um, if somebody in the room would say, you know what, I, I really love to cook. I want to start my own restaurant. But you have no idea what goes on in the back end of a restaurant. Well, then go ask some really smart people that have successful restaurants. <laughs> have a conversation. It could be when you get done with that conversation and kind of that, that study, you're going to go, you know what, this is for me. Now I know. Or you could go, I love to cook, but I never want to run a restaurant. <laughs> and that's okay. You, you move on to something else. It could be kind of like a, a hobby for you, but not the passion that God has put in you to serve his kingdom. Gain knowledge. You're only going to find out your passions by actually walking that path. So you, you may be asking the question, how do I get started here? How do I get started at, at the bridge? Well, examine your options. We have a, a niche table out there with all kinds of serving opportunities for you. We have frequently asked questions, sheets for you to look at, FAQ sheets, and you can figure out what's, what's the best for me, what works with my schedule. And you can serve here. We want you to do that. Uh, we believe that you're the happiest and you're the healthiest when you're serving other people, the most fulfilled. That's, that's how Jesus taught, and that's what we teach. So try it out. Understand, when you serve at the bridge, it, it doesn't mean you have to do that one thing for the rest of your life, but it just might be the door that gets you into a place that you begin to figure out where your real passions are. Somebody say amen. So we do these things. We open up our heart to God. We let God heal our hearts. That's big. And then we weigh our options. We don't just fly into it haphazardly by the seat of our pants, right? We weigh our options. Fourth thing is this. This is the most important. Pray for the Holy Spirit to empower it. Pray for the Holy Spirit to empower it. Did you know that, that once you find the area in life that really lights your fire for God, that there's good news and that there's bad news? The bad news is, is, is you don't have what it takes to succeed. Not to make an eternal impact. You could do the very best you have to give, but you could never change a heart. But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit makes up the difference. The Holy Spirit takes what you have and enables you to make an eternal impact that you couldn't make without Him. You need, you need to hear it. You need to know that. Don't miss this step. A little over 2,000 years ago when the church first started, not the bridge church, the church, we're talking about Jesus Christ, He looked at His disciples and He, he gave them this mission 
But before they started it, he said, I want you to go. And he gave them this, this promise, but he also gave them this clear command. He, here was the promise in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus told them, you're, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, why did he say that? Because they wouldn't have been able to do it without it. <laughs> and you need him too. And Jesus says, you're going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. So he gave him kind of this right around us, this regional thing, this kind of wider regional thing. Then he said, to the ends of the earth. Jesus' whole point was to radically change the world with this message, with here comes heaven, God to earth. It wasn't just to change 12 guys and some people in the Middle East. Jesus changed the whole world, and he was going to do it through these people, these guys. And he said, this is the promise, but the command was this, go to the upper room and pray. Go to the upper room and, and pray and wait for me to come and empower you. And so they prayed and they waited and the Holy Spirit empowered them to do what they did. And get this, they didn't just speak some messages and some things happened. They changed the, the whole known world at the time in their lifetime. You don't have what it takes. They, don't have, they didn't have what it takes to do that. It needed the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And, and God is looking at you today saying, I have put so many passions on the inside of you to make a radical difference for, for my kingdom. And he said, you try to do it by yourself, you're going to fall short. But to make that eternal impact that I want to make through you, because you're valuable, you're important, you need me. And God, forgive us for trying to do this alone and without you just because we get a good feeling out of it. Look, God wants to empower your life. And so when you find out what those passions are and, and how God can use you, pray for him to empower you. You can't have God-sized results without God-sized empowerment. And God's gonna make up the difference between what you're naturally capable of and what you need to be to make an eternal difference. He did it for them and he wants to do the same in you. Did, did you know that the purposes that God has for your life, I just want you to take a, a personal inventory right here and, and, and let this seek into your heart right here. The, the, the passions and the purpose that God has for your life is just as important and just as powerful as the purpose that he had for those 12 guys to change the whole world. It's just as important. If it wasn't, you wouldn't be here. If, if, if your purpose in your life was done and you weren't here to make a difference, then God wouldn't still have you here. The reason why you're still here is to give your life to Jesus Christ and to make a difference in this world around you with his empowerment. That's the reason why you're here. They, listen, the, the, the disciples were just a bunch of ordinary guys doing ordinary jobs, doing ordinary things. They got it wrong a lot of the time, and Jesus kept having to come back to them and say, hey, why don't you get this? I've been talking to you about this for long, much like we would be. They were just ordinary people, just like you, just like me. And God says, just like that, I, I have a purpose for you. I have passions that I want you to realize in your life. And he wants to do that exact same thing in you today. And I believe that when we follow these, these things and when we really pray this up and let God empower us, you're going to be able to do things in and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that you would have never done by yourself. So I just want to close out by praying for you today because I, I believe that there are some, some people with some hidden passions in this room. I, I believe with my whole heart there are some things maybe in your life that has kind of jumped on top of those passions and it's there, you just can't see it, you can't feel it. 
But what God's saying is if you'll open your heart to me, if you'll let me get in there and heal the parts of your heart that need to be healed, and you'll begin to do your due diligence and, and take me with you and really walk this path out, and then pray and let me empower you, you you'll begin to see a purpose in your life that you have never seen before. Some of you are at a dead end right now, and you don't know which direction you're supposed to go, and you feel lost. Let me tell you something. God still has the, the map of your life still planned out, and he's ready to take you on right where you're at if you'll say yes to him today. Can we just pray a prayer of dedication? Let's do that together. God, we give ourselves to you. Come on, don't let me do your praying for you. Open your heart to him. We give ourselves to you. Lord, I give myself to you right now. Sometimes it's easy for me to stand on this stage and, and for everyone just to think, well, he's Pastor Ryan. He must have his life together. But God, when you and I are together, you know that's not true. I'm a human being at best, and I need your empowerment. So Lord, I just kind of go first with the transparency, paving the way for everybody else online and in the room just to say, God, we're not perfect. And there are some things inside of us that need to get out of the way so that we can realize our passions for you that you put there that are aligning with our interests, that are aligning with our purpose that you give us to be used by you. So God, we just, we say yes to you today. We open up our hearts to you. Lord, I, I just, if there's areas in our hearts that need to be healed, God, I, I pray for boldness in the room and online and, and in my own heart that we would open up and let you heal us. Sometimes we get so comfortable with brokenness that we think it's normal. The fact is, is that we're just broken people in need of, of a, of a God-sized miracle in our lives. And I, I pray right now, Father, that you would just come into our hearts and do that miracle. Maybe the first one is just us realizing that we need help. We need healing. Do it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us today and, and not letting these words coming out of a human mouth just fall on the ground, but actually go into hearts and you do something because you know each of us personally. You know each of our hearts. And I'm grateful, God, that you're, you're doing this miracle in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here in the room or online and, and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. Or, or, or maybe you have and you've kind of fallen away and you know right now that you're not living with God like you need to be living. You're not surrendered to him. And I just want to give you the opportunity to say yes to him right now and to, and to, to walk with him. Would you pray this prayer with me? Because God sees you and he loves you and he's calling your name today. God, I, I say yes to you. I, I know that I need to surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived sinlessly and he died for me, shed his blood for me. Maybe I consider myself a good person, but I could never, never be worthy of a perfect God. But I know Jesus is the remedy for that. So I just accept him as my sacrifice to be worthy before a perfect God. I believe that he really came to this earth, really died, and he really raised again. He's alive today. Thank you for accepting me. I give you the lordship of my life. I just, I'm going to start to filter my decisions through you and include you in the conversation. I want to learn about you and, and walk with you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name.